Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the precious gifts you've given this house, O oh God. We speak blessing and life upon them today, Father God. We pray for safe traveling mercies, Father God. We thank you that your angelic hosts go before them. Keep them in the palm of your hand, Father God, and ensure that they get to wherever they need to be safely and secure. We speak blessing upon their time of rest. We speak restoration in their time of rest, Father God. We decree and declare that even as they're resting, Father God, in you, that there's an acceleration upon the vision of this house in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for the peace of God, the shalom of God, the prosperity of God, the healing of God. I declare to be their portion today. I bind their minds to the mind of Christ. And I thank you, Father God, they'll experience a holiday like never before, the best yet so far in terms of rest and restoration. We speak blessing upon them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the best church in the world. You've tuned in to the right place this morning, and um, I know that God's just going to be amazing today, as He always is. Amen? Before we get into it, I just want to share two testimonies that Apostle sent through to me, um, just of people that are connecting, people that are connected to the ministry. Um, so let's get into it. So first testimony is, good evening, my pastors. So this is my story. I returned to Pretoria on Sunday the 24th of I returned to Pretoria on Sunday the 24th of January thinking I'm good and can go back to work the Monday although I was showing symptoms. I thought okay this is just a bad cold. I'm taking my vitamins and I should be fine. Wednesday morning the 27th the virus attacked me so badly that I was forced to consult a doctor. Test done and the results came back positive. I did not fear once because I know my redeemer lives. But God Mighty warrior, great in battle, Jehovah is your name. Thank you, Jesus. The battle is not ours, it is the Lord's. I would not have made it without him. He knew when I started this journey with the unknown, taking care of my mom, Wendy, and then myself. God knew the plans he has for me. The journey was tough, but God kept me. Yes, I am an overcomer. No corona in this body. I belong to Jesus. Thank you for your prayers, love, and support. God is good. Praise the Lord. Take care of yourself. Stay blessed. Stay safe and stay blessed. I'm healed and grateful. Amen. The next testimony, I have a testimony of a friend of mine, a husband and niece tested COVID positive four weeks ago. We stood in agreement in prayer day and night. She says, it was the word, listen to this, it was the word from warm prayers. Friends with faith. In particular, that touched us. She says, I sent that word right on time. The enemy was covering her with dark thoughts. She says she was about to give up, but that word of faith revived her. Hallelujah. In this week, she sent me the results. They are all healed. God saved them from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. Glory be to God Almighty. Isn't that just awesome? Hear me, there's no distance in prayer. As we're preaching the word, as we're praying, as we're gathering, we trust in God for your healing, your deliverance, your safety, your salvation. As we come together and pray as the church, things change and shift. Amen. So we bless God. I love this. I love the testimonies. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, you can maybe deny the word of somebody or somebody, something somebody says, but you cannot deny the power of a changed life. How do you deny it? I deny the working, the miracle working power of God. You cannot deny it. And I love this. And that's what we must be putting our faith out for and our expectation for in this season. For each and every one of us, it's not just about us. If you're safe, if God has protected you, God's healing is upon you, then pray for somebody else. Hold hands with others. Stand in the gap for others and trust God for their healing so that they can see the miracle working power of God in their lives. Amen. Amen. So to all the teams that are serving, to our apostles, thank you so much for being faithful and serving. You can see the results on the people's lives. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Daddy, for your word. Thank you that we can gather around your word, Father God. Thank you that by your spirit you speak to us daily. And so this day, Father God, I come before you and I pray that you use me, Father God. Speak through me, Father. Let this word go forth straight from the throne room of heaven and penetrate hearts and minds so that things can shift, strongholds can be broken, and that we can come into all that you have for us. I speak blessing and life upon today, and I thank you, Father God, that as I minister, Father God, you will make sense in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Um, I was just, as I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, it's almost a year now that we're currently in a, a well, what they consider to be a state of national disaster. Um, it's close to a year now, and 
What, what that basically allows, obviously, in terms of all that there is, jammer, what it basically allows government to do is basically to make decisions for the nation and for the people that's not really uh, voted in, if I could put it that way. It's not the democratically approved. Decisions are made based upon what the government perceives to be the safety measures or whatever the controls that needs to be in place to obviously curb uh, the pandemic and what's happening in the world today. And um, for so many people, I know I'm going to but for so many people, you just trust what he said. And we just believe what comes through that little box that we see. And for me, when I look at what's transpiring and what's going on, when, I, when I, see, I see how quick we are to accept the words of people that are in leadership, and sometimes, not sometimes, most people struggle to take the word of God, but anyway, side note, that's for free. But we accept the word that is spoken through there, and we believe, hear me? We believe that their hearts are for us as a people. Yet there's no proof. There is no proof. If you look at the track record, it's even worse. It's even worse if you look at the corruption that has just taken place within our own government and how people haven't even been brought to justice. And it's exposed. It's not hidden. It's exposed. We know about it, yet you trust the very same people to make the decisions to so-called keep you safe. Now, I'm not standing here to come up against government. You will find out later why I'm saying what I'm saying. But what I want to say is that don't be so quick to receive any word from anyone who does not have a heart that is submitted to God. Because it's only God that has your best interest in heart. It's only God that is one who is absolute truth and justice. It's only God that can curb, that can, can, can hold and control what needs to happen over our lives in the best way possible. I just had a thought. I mean, we, we were traveling, went on holiday to Cape Town and so forth. And, you know, you go to the airport. It's me and my full family. There's five of us. Jesse's my daughter. So we come, we're standing in the airport. Right, we're gonna get on a plane. There's little stickers for social distancing, and the five of us are standing together. And there's a guy who's an army of the airport, a soldati, and he's like, No, 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 you must stand. I said, My family. He's like, No, 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 you must stand. Separate, separate, separate. So I'm okay, going cool. We separate, we stand, we stand apart. But in my mind, I'm thinking, Buddy, do you know that we're all gonna get into a small tin can? where you can't even be more than 20 centimeters apart. And this is my family. And everybody's adhering to what he's saying. But when you get onto the airplane, you're sitting so tight next to each other, there's hardly any ventilation. And that's social distancing. You know, Dr. D. Nerko said something so powerful in one of his teachings. He said, sometimes common sense is not so common. So when I look at this, I'm thinking, but this doesn't make sense. You go to malls, you go to casinos, it's packed. There's no 50. It's not only 50, it's packed. You know, sometimes people are walking, I know Aaron even gets irritated sometimes. Sometimes people are walking right on top of his like, But that's how full the places are. Yet you have church buildings that are 6,000 seaters that can offer more social distancing than an aeroplane, even if you had to fill it a third or half of what it is, who has better protocols to keep people safe and secure, but you shut it down. Now, I'm not here just to come and say we must gather as a church. The reason why I'm saying what I'm saying is that the fact of what's happening in the world today can either be instituted by two systems and not others. There's only two systems in this world. It's light, it's darkness. It's the system of the devil and it's the kingdom of God. So either this whole thing is a plot and a ploy from the enemy or it's God or heaven instituted. Now we know that God is not the author of evil. The Bible says so in the book of James. Therefore, it's clear, it's a clear, clear indication that this what is transpiring and happening in the world today is from the kingdom of darkness. I'm not saying that God's not going to have his say, but I'm saying that if you don't identify it for what it is, you're going to walk in deception all the days of your life. And the day you think you don't deceive, is, you're not deceived, is the day you deceived. Because it's only the mind of God that's not deceived. Any natural mind can be deceived. Go ask Eve. And I'm saying this to you because 
many times we put the church on the side and we put life in front of us and think this that's happening is more important than that that we put on the side. Yet the reality is that's the only thing that can counter what's happening in the world today. And so if you don't have the proper perception and expectation and understanding of the power of the church, you will never ever walk in the victory and the freedom that God has assigned for your life. Never. You will continuously play a religious game that will be a form of godliness with no power. Now, I know that is a bit of a chunk to swallow straight from the bat, but God is good. Amen. Amen. The reason why I'm saying this to you is because I want you to understand that it's only when we start to get these things right in terms of our understanding that we're going to function and flow the way God wants us to flow. We cannot be getting hundreds of years of revelation. This last century that we experienced, there was so much revelation, breakthrough, understanding about God, His love, the power of God. Our people have gotten access to that power. Like we have not seen before, it became global. The revivals that broke out. How can we be sitting in a place where we don't have an answer? As a people, that would be irresponsible of us to just keep going the same way forward and not expecting something different. So this morning, as I just laid that out, I want you to understand that there are two governments going up against each other. It's light and it's darkness. And I want you to understand our position in this place so that we can actually fulfill the mandate that God has got upon our lives. And now some people might be saying, yeah, you know, Pastor B, it's not just about church, church, church. No, you don't have an understanding of the church and that's why you think it's not about the church. So for those who love titles, the title this morning is The Church of Christ. The Church of Christ. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. Verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let's move. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, no, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Next one. And I say to you that you, Peter, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Next one. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So here's this great revelation that Peter comes, uh, Jesus comes, he questions his disciples, he's like, okay, you guys are rolling with me so long now, you know what I'm saying? You, you're with me all the time, you're seeing the works that I'm doing, who do, who do the people say I am? They say, no, they say this one, that one, Elijah, the prophets, he says, okay, but who do you say I am? And Peter gets a revelation from him, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus goes and breaks out such an important statement where he gives us an understanding of the church and who the church is to be. So post this revelation that comes to reveal the Christ comes the revelation from Jesus to say what is his establishment and what he's come to do in the earth. Amen? So let's just break it down. Number one, the Christ. He's, Peter gets a revelation from heaven that this Jesus is the Christ. Now hear me, for us it might be we read in the Bible, so and so and so, but for them, the Old Testament had the prophets, and all the prophets were speaking about the coming of a Messiah. All of the prophets were speaking about one who was coming, he was going to reign, he was going to be the Christ, he was going to be the supreme, he was going to be the king. Are you with me? And they were waiting for this Christ, this Messiah, this king to come to the earth. So it wasn't something that was all willy-nilly, it was something that they as a nation had an expectation for this Christ to arrive, the one who would fulfill the lineage of the king of David. The channel, the challenge, however, was that when Jesus came onto the scene, the Israelites were expecting a king in the, the a king like David. They were looking for a natural kingdom to come to destroy the work of the Roman Empire over their lives. So they missed it completely with him. They never saw him for who he was, and that hasn't changed even until today, because many people have a revelation of Christ as their savior. 
but not as their Lord. Many people have Christ as their Savior, but not as the King of a kingdom. And so when you have an incomplete view or understanding of who Christ is, you will miss the moment in your life to transition into all that he's got for you. Because Christ was the crux of the matter. Excuse the pun. Christ was in the center. Christ was the one, the only one who could come and redeem the people. When, when, when Eve made a mistake in the, or sinned in the Garden of Eden and, and Adam ate of the fruit and gee, God comes and he judged him, what does he say? He says, I'm going to send a seed, capital S. That seed was the Christ. So we were all waiting for that moment, not Christians. God never instituted the religion of Christianity. I know some of that's going to be hard to swallow. But when he spoke about the seed, it was a savior to the world. It was one who was going to come and fix everything that was made wrong by the decision of one man, Adam, the decision of one man, Christ, the life of one man, Christ, was going to come make right for all. So if you have an incomplete perspective of Jesus, you will have an incomplete perspective of God, you'll have an incomplete perspective of the church, you'll have an incomplete perspective of the kingdom, and you'll never fulfill your assignment because it's an incomplete state and beginning point for your life. We always read the scripture in Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the host will perform it. He says what? He says, yes, this, uh, a child is born, a son is given, but what's he coming with? A government. He's coming with a government. He's not just your savior. Yes, you need a savior. Yes, you need to be saved. Yes, you didn't have the power to save yourselves. But that was the beginning point of what Christ came to do. He came to give you your salvation, but so you can step into the kingdom. John 3, chapter 1 to 3. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, saved, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. So he says you need to be saved to get into the kingdom. Jesus is the door, he's the link, he's the way in, but you're supposed to go in and not stand at the door. So if you only have Jesus as your savior, you will continuously be looking for him to rescue you each and every day of your life. You will never walk into the power that is in the kingdom because all you see is a savior. When I understand that he's Lord of my life, that means nobody can touch me, nobody can mess with me, because he owns me. When I understand he's the king of a kingdom, I can understand that if I function in his kingdom, I too now share in the power that is in Christ in order to overcome wherever I go. But if I only see him as Savior, I'm continuously going to be somebody that's falling victim to circumstances and continuously crying out for somebody to save me from my current situation. So unless we change our perspective this morning, we're going to miss it. So when Jesus comes and he delivers this, this moment, this, this Kairos moment with his disciples, it's going to shape and change the world forever. Because one, they recognize he's the Christ. He's the link. He's the seed. He's the one that came to fix it all. He's the one that came to deliver us. He's the one that came to set us free. He's the one that defeated the enemy. He's the one that gave our healing, our prosperity. He's the one that came, brought us back into relationship with God. He's the one that made a way where no one could make a way. Yes, we worship him. Yes, we adore him. Why? Because he's our Savior our Lord and our King. Amen? So first was the Christ. Then second he says, I will build my church. So let's first take build. Build as the root word in oikos. The word that's used is oikoneo. Okay, my Greek is not, my Greek is Greek to me also, so don't judge me. <laughs> but he used, it comes from the root word oikos, which is a Greek word, and it has three distinct meanings. It speaks of family, the family's property, and the house. It also refers to the establishment of a lineage. 
So when Jesus says, I will build, he's saying, I've come to reestablish the family. He came to restore us to a rightful position in terms of God's original design. You see, we try to translate one word, one word, but Greek was never like that. I mean, the Greeks have five, five or four words for love. So every time they use any version of, and they all mean different things. One is eros, your love for your spouse. One is uh, phileo, one for a friend. One is, uh, uh, what's the other one? Agape, love for God, and there's two others I know that is. But hear me, every time you see love in the Bible, you need to check which one is it in the Greek. Because we translate word for word, it's not the same. So when you're speaking with the world, build, we rebuild, and we think Jesus came to put this building together. No, he was speaking of the reestablishment of a family lineage in the earth, and that was the work of Christ. Come on, if you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, let's go there quickly. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the... This is my favorite scripture. Birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And yes, gift, I have more than one favorite scripture. Go back. Genesis 1, 26. Then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. When God came and he made mankind, he determined to make one that was made in his image, an exact duplicate of kind, and in his likeness with the same power, potential to function the way that he functions. But it was really the establishment of a family. They carried the same DNA. Adam had the DNA of God on the inside of him. He didn't just come to make a creation. He came to create a family. An extension of who he was was found in this being. So it wasn't just, a, oh, willy-nilly, yes, man. Some people believe they come from a monkey. That's their problem. And some people might even act like that. But the reality is that God made us in his image and in his likeness. So when he made Adam, he has an extension of his family. And he births his first son naturally into the earth. But obviously Adam sins and he misses up the whole plan. And then Jesus comes, he says, I will build. The Christ says, I will build. I will restore this back. And if you go to John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, but as many as received him, who's him? Jesus, the Christ. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So Jesus, through his work on the cross, saves you, but brings you into. He brings you into a relationship with your Father in heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 17. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Stay there. Abba, Father. And when you see the word Abba here, it's a term of endearment used to speak to your father. And the closest we can come to is saying, Daddy. That was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my walk with God. Yes, I had a, 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 a broken relationship with my earthly father. But when I found out that I can call God Daddy, it changed my life forever. And some people ask, why when you pray do you say Daddy? It's because I purpose, in the beginning, I purposefully did it to associate him with that term of endearment as my Daddy. And not, oh, thou art the Lord. I cometh to thee in thouest most holy name. That alone creates such a separation in your relationship with God. But the minute I can say, Daddy, it reminds me of when Jesus said, let the children come and sit on my lap. He said, I can go to the throne room. I can sit with my dad. You know, Pastor Ray always shares the testimony of how he's having these huge board meetings. And obviously, Rame is a massive church, and they're doing these big board meetings. And, and then his son, Joshua, rocks up, opens the door, push, walks in, doesn't care who's in the room. Walks in, goes to the fridge, takes out whatever he wants, greets, blah, 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 and walks out. Why? His daddy's there. Now, any other pastor walking into that meeting, I can tell you they won't do the same thing. Why? The protocol is different. Why? The relationship is different. You can't come into the, you know what I'm saying? Oh, dearest thou, peace by peace, I'm coming in your presence, Lord. Hear me, Father. The devil is a liar. 
No, the Bible says you can boldly enter into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy for your faults and grace to help you in your time of need. Daddy, I need your help. I know that you love me. You saved me. You set me free. I am a child of the Most High God. And I come into your throne room today to say, Daddy, can you help me? Show me which way to go. What do I need to do? I need to tap into your mind. Everything that your Father has is yours. And he's withholding nothing from you. Why is this so important? Because without a proper relationship with God, your father, you will never be able to do the things he's called you to do. It starts with relationship. Daniel 11.32. In the second part it says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. The people who what? Know their God. People who have relationship with daddy knows are you with me? They know him. They're able then to do. They are then strong. I teach my children. I say, listen to me, boy. If anybody messes with you, you know that your dad is here. Why? They must have a boldness and a confidence wherever they go to say, hey, man, I don't care who says what, my dad is backing me. Are oh, you understand that? I'm not saying give free them to do whatever they want. They know they get, da, 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 da. you know what I'm saying? Step out the line. But, they know that they can come to me if something's gone wrong or if somebody's come up against them and they know I'm going to roll back. They know I'm not going to sustain still. I tell them straight, I say, anybody messes with you, you my children. Nobody touches you, do you hear me? If they come in they mess with you, you tell them they come speak to your daddy. Why? They must know. Now, if I know how to love my, my children as an earthly father, how much more? Your heavenly father. And the problem is that if you don't have your relationship with God intact, you will never be able to do the exploits. So if you have an uh, incorrect perspective of your relationship with God, you're never going to get there. And number two, if you don't build that relationship with God, if you don't take the time to build your relationship with your Father in heaven, understand Him, grow in your knowledge of Him, and learn to know His ways, walk with Him, understand His mind, you can never do what God has called you to do. It's way too big for your life. Amen. So when Jesus restores you into relationship, he puts you in the right position. The Bible says you are co-heir with Christ. The Bible says that you are one with him. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead lives on the inside of you. This deals with your identity. Because perspective is perfected by position. Perspective is perfected by position. Dependent upon where you position determines what you see. And when Christ came, he came to put you in your right position and say, no, this is where you are. You know, when you read, when you read about David and his life, and you read about, about God's anoint, anoint him as a youngster, man, he says, you're going to be king of Israel. I don't know how many years later, Jesus helped you, so he only becomes king. But he anoints him, and he goes back to, to, to being a shepherd. Then he must go into the battlefield, comes into the battlefield. Everybody's scared of this giant. He says, no, I can take this thing's head off. Why? He has a covenant relationship with God. Remember? He didn't have the tools. He didn't have the, 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 the experience. He killed a lion and a bear with what? With the anointing. He was a worshiper. He had a relationship with the Father. Not even his natural father loved him the way he knew God the Father loved him. So out of this relationship comes the strength. He takes down Goliath. Destroys him. Then must go into the wilderness hiding for so many years. Eventually he becomes king, but he doesn't become king over all Israel. He becomes king over, over Judah. And listen here. The first place he goes to in his kingship, the first place he goes, not Jerusalem, because they still wanted Saul's lineage to lead them, he went to Hebron. And Hebron, if you, if you read in the Hebrew, means friend. It speaks of covenantal relationship. That's the same mountain that God instructed him to bury Abram and Sarah. Why? Abram was known as a friend of God. But Hebron was the highest point in the promised land. Because the presence and your relationship with God will position you at the top. Hear me. It's the first step. You cannot get the exploits without the relationship. You cannot get the position without the presence. So when he starts with build, Jesus was actually strategic in what he was saying. He says, I've come to reestablish the family first. To tell you who you are and whose you are. 
for you to understand your image and how I created you to be. One of the greatest problems with that is that so many people park just there and don't shift into what Jesus was speaking about. Because the next piece, and this is the piece where I really want to settle a little bit today, is he says, I will build what? My church. This is where it becomes a challenge for many. And as powerful as it is, it becomes tricky for many because of our religious doctrine and what we've been told for so many years. But he says, I will build my church. And the word here, church, in the Greek is ecclesia. Or ecclesia, if you want to say it. So let me just give you some context. The Bible says in Galatians 4 verse 4, it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So he says, when the fullness of time had come, God had sent. This means the most opportune, the perfect time for Christ to be born. Now, for some of us, we might be asking the question, why 4,000 years later from the moment in the Garden of Eden where God says, I'm going to send the seed. Why 4,000 years does it become the most opportune or the fullness of time for God's plan to come to pass, for Christ to be released. It took 4,000 years. Well, there's many reasons that, it, that can be accounted to that, but the two that I want to touch on today was the position, the geographic location, number one, of Israel, and number two, the current governmental structure that was taking place in Israel. Number one is that they, they, they speak of there was a road that traveled through Israel that was like the main road. It was almost the internet of the day. It was the way that information passed through and spread throughout the whole world. So one is if something happened in Israel or something happened in the world, they brought it to that place and it traveled throughout through everywhere. So the place that Jesus was born into, just the geographic location of the day, the, day the, the, the fact that the gospel needed to spread to all the ends of the earth, it was a central point of location for that message to go out. Number two is the fact of the Roman Empire. And their governmental structure. Because the Roman Empire did things differently the way most did. What would happen is, back in those days when they went to war, many times the nation that would go to war or go and overtake another territory, they would go in there, destroy everything. Take the women and the children, take the goods, the cattle, everything, and destroy the city. They bring it back to their own place, and they then live with that in their nation and in their territory. The Romans said, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to go into a place with the military and we're going to conquer that place. And once we conquer that place, we're going to leave the existing infrastructure in place. We're going to leave the people in place, but we're going to disciple the people. We're going to teach them our customs, our values, our norms, and our laws will govern those people. They would take a senate, and a senate would leave headquarters in Rome, go to the place, like Israel, go to that place, and they would set up a governmental structure there that would govern the people. So Herod, as you would have him, Herod, was, was there, um, he was the client king of that territory. So Caesar is still the king. He's the ultimate. Are you hearing me? Are you seeing the model? But he sends out a group of people to a place, to take over that place, disciple the people according to the Romans' customs, norms, values, their law, sets in place his own government over them and sets in place one person that would then be the client king of that little kingdom and that terrain. And that place would be governed the same way Rome was governed where it was. So that's how Rome expanded and extended its government. It is still one today that is known to be one of the biggest kingdoms that ever existed in the world. And they weren't the biggest people. So when Jesus was making reference to the word ecclesia, he was making reference to the government that was in his place and operating within that time. He did not see a place of worship. Ecclesia, according to the definition, is a legislative assembly. So yes, we are an assembly, but not just together to do what? We're here together to legislate. We're here together to, 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 to govern. It was a group of individuals who were old enough to vote, to legislate, and develop governmental structures over their city or community. A senate. When they came together, it was called the ecclesia. Today we call it the house of parliament. I know some religious folk. 
But here's the thing. The concept of the church that we have today was built out of a man's mind and not out of the mind of God. King James, when he translated the Bible, he established the 15 laws of translation, which included the removal of the word ecclesia. He, as a king, did not want the people to know that they could have access to a government that was superior to his. It was the only way to keep them bound. So he changed it to a religious institution. And later on, what we call church now comes from the German word K-I-R-C-H-E, Kirche, whatever you want to call it, which means a house of worship. But if you go back to Jesus' original intention, it was never ever meant to be a house of worship. He never saw Christians. He never saw Christians. He saw sons and daughters of the Most High God who were in a position where they were in a legislative assembly and they were legislating laws and governing through the kingdom of God, the area, the territory, and the terrain that they were called into. Think about this. When you deal with bold and my church, you deal with relationship, family, lineage, and you deal with church, you deal with government and kingdom. What does that remind you of? Genesis 1 verse 26. It says, then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There, relationship, that's bold. And then he says, do I have what? Dominion. Comes from the word rada, which means to rule. Kingdom. Are you with me? So he says, let us have children, bold, oikos, to rule and have dominion. That's church. That means in the Garden of Eden, there was church. Why? There was government. And the thing is, the enemy wants you to shut up and play religious games. Why? Because if you look back at the picture of Israel, the Roman Empire made decisions for the religious institutions. They had no say. They did little things for them that they could release one prisoner every now and again. Why? To appease them and make them feel that they had some sort of rule. Yet the reality was they were in bondage and whatever that man said, they had to do. Why? Because the minute you go into religion and don't understand ecclesia, you have to play the games that the government wants you to play. You have no say, no voice, and no influence in the community. So when they say don't have church, it's don't have government. So when God wants to change a city, a community, a nation, he plants a church. Not a house of worship. You've got to work with me now. And this takes a while, hear me, it takes a while to root this out of your thinking because it's been so ingrained inside of us that we struggle to see it another way. That's why people can move churches because they can move houses of worship. I don't like the way they sing here. That Asher wasn't nice to me this morning. Did you hear what that pastor said? Huh? So they can change houses of worship because they want to go where it feels nice. Jesus never came to make you feel nice. People are dying in the world and you want to feel nice? There's almost two to three billion Christians in the world. Imagine, just imagine, if all of us understood kingdom. Think about it. If all of us understood that we're actually part of a government. If we all understood that we had a mandate to influence the world. If we all understood that why God had called us and understood that every institution that was set up by God, every man of God that was set in place was set in place as a client king with a client kingdom. That every place is a place of vision for what? To transform the city, the community, what? With the government of the kingdom of God. Not just to do nice things. No, anybody can do nice things. Even evil people do nice things. But only the church, the ecclesia, can do what God has called him to do. Go and look up that word. I did it myself. Go and look up every time it speaks of the word church. And go look in the either Greek lexicon or go look in an uh, app called Esau. And go look at that word church. It always says ecclesia. And it will tell you legislative assembly. 
it never refers to a house of worship. So if your perception of church is incorrect, you're going to play games with the kingdom and go nowhere in life. And it's not even about you personally, but we can have no effect in the world. When we think of church the way that we do, it's not the picture that was in the mind of Christ. It was not the church of Christ. When Jesus says, I'm coming back to a glorious church, what do you think he's going to sing? Hey? We all sing, oh, it's a whole lot of people worshiping, the music's playing, you know what I'm saying? Oh, the presence of the Lord. No, when he comes back to a glorious church, he's coming back to a church who is dominating, influencing, taking over. Amen? Not this what we're seeing today. Come on now. That's why we're okay. When they say, don't gather, no pastor, just for safety. Safety for nothing. They don't want you to have the power that is supposed to be coming into your home and into your life. And if you're accepting the rubbish from government, hear me today. Just as plain truth and gospel, you've got to question yourself. You know, it makes me angry because the thing is, people are dying, man. But we as a church run into a safe little corner to keep me and my family safe. We're supposed to be changing things in the world. We're supposed to be having the hospitals. We're supposed to be having the funding. We're supposed to be having the solutions. A close friend of Apostle and, and a pastor that's ministered here before, he's been here, Apostle's ministered, he passed away this week. And it shocked me so much. Because I just realized, imagine we were in place as a church and as a people. That when Apostle shared, it says, why don't we have the hospitals for the pastors? Why can't we look after? Somebody here should have had the finances, the resources, the wisdom to do that thing in a day. They don't care about you. Apostle been picking about ivermectin. I, I, there's a guy that is, uh, I go and collect some equipment. It's one of the business dudes I do stuff with. And I spoke to him about it the last time. He's like, no, 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 sometimes it's conspiracy theories. I said, go check it out for yourself. I went saw him today. Two people came to him yesterday, and he's been asking. He's a very, he's like that. He, he's like down to the T. He wants to know every I is dotted, and he can speak a lot also because he's a very meticulous mind. He spoke to. Me, he says, "You know what, Brian? I was speaking to two people. They came to me and they told me one. This person was dying. They gave him ivermectin. Four days later, they were raised. They were like nothing happened to them. And he gave me another testimony of another person. Now I'm just saying." When government is in place that doesn't care about you, they can make decisions for your life without you even saying a word. And we think national state of disaster, national state of disaster. No, they did that so that they can control you. And it's like a frog in a heated pot. They just switch it and turn it every time. You don't even know. And every time you just acclimatize to what they're saying, acclimatize to that devil is a liar. Yes, there is a virus, but there's something going on behind the scenes that you and I don't even know about. The enemy's got a plan. And if the church doesn't stand up and go government to government, we're never going to see the results that God wants to see in the earth. God functions through His church. He governs through this government that's here. He locked Himself out when He said, Adam, you have dominion. He did it. That's why God can't just influence the earth like he wants to. He has to work through an institution called mankind. And that man is supposed to institute a, a government called the church, the ecclesia, that must extend the government of the kingdom in the earth. Ephesians 4 verse 11. I know this is a lot to take in, but I pray that, you, that God is speaking to you and that the strongholds in your mind, the religious strongholds and the boundaries and the barriers is being broken today by the word of God. I declare it to be so. Your eyes are being opened today so that you will no longer be deceived. I'm not saying we need to start riots. I'm not saying we must go toy toy. I'm saying that if you understand who you are, if you understand the power of the church, we won't need to because we'll just take over wherever we go. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12, it says, And he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. He says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, gifts of healings, administration, health, da, da, da. He says, And God has appointed these in the what? 
in the church, not a place of worship. In the ecclesia, the fivefold ministry is a governmental ministry. It's positions in government. And if you see your, oh, my pastor, it's wrong. Your perspective is wrong. Let me break it down for you. The evangelist increases the family. Goes and preaches the gospel. You must get born again. That's the door. He increases the family. Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful. Multiply. Evangelist goes out on the mandate. Brings them in. Next, the pastor takes them in and nurtures them. He's the carer. He's the shepherd. He's going to look after you. Are you with me? Then you get what? The teacher. The teacher is going to instruct you on the kingdom. He's going to disciple you. He's going to teach you about the strategies, the ways, the moves of God. Then you get what? You get the apostle. The apostle is called what? The sent one. Another one for being sent is what? Deployed. So when Rome wanted somebody in Israel, they did what? They deployed Herod. An apostolic mandate. So God will send, will deploy an apostle who has a vision inside of him for what? For the territory of the community, the city, and the spheres of influence that he's called into. And then God puts a prophet in the picture because the prophet understands the timing and the movements of God. So when you look at it, it's governmental. It's not your pastor key. Your, you know what I'm saying? That's why you got sometimes you got pastors that are actually apostles, but they're not fulfilling their mandate because they positioned incorrectly. And you got sometimes pastors that are starting churches, but they shouldn't be starting churches because they must be connected to an apostle. Because it's not about a place of worship. It's about territory and strategy. When God releases an apostolic mandate in the earth, raises up somebody to do what he's called him to do, inside of him you put a strategy for that territory. It's not about the place of worship. Please hear me today. This pandemic should show you how useless it has become. How ineffective we've been as a church. That people need, are going through what they're going through and the church is supposed to be where the move of God flows. But we're out of position because we're okay. Shoot. This is a bit of a word today. Jesus loves us. But hear me, man. If we don't bring correction, we're never going to experience the power. If we don't come into alignment with God once, we're never going to be at the forefront of what God's going to do. Hear me. He will raise up somebody else. He will get somebody else to do what he's called him to do. I don't want to be a part of that, people. So when God establishes kingdom life embassy, this is an apostolic up. This is a client kingdom. Headquarters is in heaven. That government is fitting and, and perfect. He says, now do what now? Set up a kingdom here. And what you do here is over this terrain, over this territory. One is geographic, but two is spheres of influence. Are you called to media, arts and entertainment, government, family, education, religion? Uh, what's the other one? Jesus help me. Business. Where are you called to dominate? And it's not about going there, oh, I'm number one. No. God wants you in there so that you can become an influence in that place. If I think of the power for change, you know how they fought apostle about for change. Don't, don't do this thing, man. Just start a church. Just preach the gospel. Yeah, let the people die. Let them have no opportunity. Let youth stay on drugs and be controlled by social ills. But you just preach the church. You just preach the word in the building. He refused it. I got a message from the one principal that we met years ago. Um, he was gifts principal. That's how long we know him. That's how long we know gift. One of the first schools in Coriander, he just sent me a message. He said, you know what, um, pastor, I haven't spoken to him in months. He said, you know, pastor, I left my post at, at the school I was at. I'm just letting you know, continue to pray for me and just, you know, uh, trust God for my next season. That same man, we went into that school. I think it was two to three years. We just served the school. We served the youth. He called me one day. He said, pastor, I think I'm ready. I'm like, ready for what? He's like, I need to receive Jesus. And I see the authenticity in you guys, in how you serve and love these children. And I want it to come from you guys. I need you to lead me to Christ today. Amen. Now think about it. If we had stayed here, we would never have had an influence there. And you want to play here? 
You want to fight about certain things? That's why this month we're going to have our vision evening. We're setting it up and we'll notify everybody. But it's not just about this anymore. We're going to be speaking about the apostolic vision of how you can get plugged into the work that we're doing to change the lives of the youngsters. You know, sometimes it says, it says, it says it's equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is the governmental mandate on the house. It's not to come serve and clean and sing. You must do that. You do that in your own house. As dim as your eyes. With your house and take care of your house. You know what I'm saying? You don't leave the dishes seven weeks. I hope not. Do you know what I mean? You go clean the dishes. My children must do chores. Your children must do chores. So why is it different in this house? Simple. Why are you complicating? I'm doing this thing for the Lord. No, it's your house. Take care of your house. What rubbish is that? Oh, Jesus. It's nonsense, man. We play games with what God wants to do. And the problem is, you know, I'm so, I'm so, it's like a holy discontentment inside of me. It's because people are dying, man. And you know the truth. Generation, why must we squander generations? Because we don't want to go. It's nonsense. It's time for us to get up to see this thing the way that it is and break every mindset that opposes the kingdom of God. And you've got to aggressively do it by the word of God. What you're hearing today, go and study yourself and say, Lord, help me to understand this thing so I can build what needs to be built in this house. We launch campaigns even for four change. You're going to see it now of how people can contribute and be a partner. We've got a water plant that you're busy dealing with now. We met with people. We're going to build it up. Why? Yes, we want business, but that thing is going to fund what we need to do here. Why should you be standing separate and come sing here on a Sunday? It doesn't make sense to me. And we, we listen to the government over and above the word that's coming. You believe that thing more than you believe the word. Let's be honest. It's time for us to break out of the space and do what God has called to do. Hear me. There's never ever been a more right and right time for this thing to take place than now. If you want to see how ineffective the church has been over the past hundred years, look now. Because now the rubber is hit the road. And what are we doing? We need to get up and become all that God has called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you catch that part. The gates of hell. I'm just going to go through this quickly, and if, if, if the Lord leads next week, we'll come back to these. Um, but let's, let's just go quickly. The gates of hell. The gates of hell, you know, sometimes we make the gates of hell the prevailing force. But the Bible says, go to, go to Matthew chapter 16, guys. Give me, I want us just to read this properly. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Next one. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the power of an infernal region, shall not overpower or be strong, be strong to its detriment to hold out against it. Go into the in New King James. It's a bit, I'll tell you when to come. He says, whatever, no, go back one. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What is he saying? I'll build my church. I'll have my government institution run by my sons and daughters. And they will be the prevailing force against the gates. Hear me, think about it. A gate is there to keep you out. But a gate doesn't have a force. A gate is there to try to stand up against the force. So who's the force? The church. We've made it the devil. It's like a thing of Pastor Winston says, oh, the guy came around, he's just like, oh, 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 Pastor, I got the devil on the run. He said, where's he running? He says, no, he's chasing me. No, we the prevailing force. And he says that things that they shut up to us, the territories, the spheres of influence, the communities, whatever has been shut, it cannot hold out against the prevailing force that is the church. Amen. I want to get to number six quickly. Then he says, I will give you the keys to the king. He says, he's going to give you authority. God's going to give you authority for the keys to go into every sphere of influence, to take over. That's why when God puts you in a place or sends you somewhere, you are not the one that is weak there. 
You are the one that's called to dominate in that place. That's why Satan, in Luke chapter 4, he says to, he says to Jesus, I'll give you the keys, man. I'll give you these kingdoms, whatever he says, because I have the authority to give it to you. But that was because Adam gave it to him. Jesus took it back. So who's the authority with us? When you go into a place you're not submitted to them, they must submit to you. And so you can bind their minds to the mind of Christ. They can submit to the Spirit of God that's on the inside. of When you come into a place, every knee must bow. Why? Because Christ is in you. You're the dominating force and dominating factor in that place. And then lastly, I want to end with this. It says, whatever you bind or lose, go to the Amplified, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. He says, I will give you, in the Amplified, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Yeah, you guys can come up, please. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, listen, declare to be improper and unlawful. What kind of terminology is that? That's governmental, it's judicial. He says, whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already what? Bound in heaven. Think about this, stay here. And whatever you lose, declare, un declare lawful on the earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Here's the thing. We're loosing and binding like we want to. The reality is he's saying that this ecclesia, this church, this legislative assembly, when they're functioning as a client kingdom here, they can only make decrees. They can only loose and bind what is loosed and bound in the headquarters. Are you with me? They could not go to uh, uh, Israel as a, as a client kingdom of the Roman Empire and make their own laws, lose their own stuff and bind their own stuff. No, they were governed by headquarters. We are governed by headquarters, which is heaven. So when you come into a territory and into a place, when you declare something to be improper and unlawful, it's according to the constitution that you were given. It's not something you're making up by yourself. Therefore, whatever I bind releases every force in heaven, every militant force to ensure that what I've said according to our constitution in heaven must come to pass. The same is when I lose it. It's not my own thing. Oh, I lose the money. Why are you losing the money? For what governmental purpose? According to what word? What has God mandated you to do? Why must God give you the money if you're not going to do what the kingdom needs you to do? Think about it. Every resource of heaven will back you when what you bind and what you lose is according to the constitution of heaven and your headquarter kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can come up. I just, I wanted to wrap up on the end there, but I think the, the not I think, I know the crux of the matter is just us understanding our position. Please hear me, people. There's a position that God has got for us and because the church is not in position, things are the way that they are in the world today. So many people should be saved, healed, delivered, set free. You see the two testimonies I read today? That's not enough. It's powerful. You hear me? It's powerful. But it's nowhere near what we, we should be having hordes of testimonies coming because of our effectiveness as the ecclesia. And so I want to challenge you today. That when you think of Kingdom Life Embassy, which is your church, or you think of another ministry, another church, every time you think of church, think of legislative governmental assembly. Just change it in your thinking. Even when you say church, just say legislative governmental assembly. Because we've come to do something. We've come to fulfill what God wants to have fulfilled in this region and in the spheres of influence He's called us into. And hear me, God will put a grace on every house that is for every house for the spheres and for the territory that is assigned to the people. When I go into places, I'm going into the, by the grace, the empowerment of God that's on this house and the anointing that's on this house. And wherever I go, doors must open. Why? Because I'm functioning in alignment with the vision that God has given this section and this territory. Amen. It's time for us to rise up, people. You want to see the supernatural? You want to see the breakthroughs? You want to see the territories being taken over? It's when we have this understanding, this revelation that Jesus revealed to his disciples, saying, this is actually what I've come to establish in the earth. I've come to restore your position with Jesus, I mean with God, with for the Father, and I've come to give you a government, an ecclesia, that wherever you go, you're going to legislate according to the kingdom of heaven, and things will be broken that the enemy is established wherever you go in Jesus' name. Hear me. The first step, and Jesus even put it in the order, was oikos. It's first family, it's first lineage. 
Yes, you want to do the great things. Yes, you want the great exploits. Yes, you want to go take over territories. But it starts by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It starts by fixing your relationship with God. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The only way you can fix your relationship with your Heavenly Father, with your Abba, with your Daddy, is to receive Jesus into your life. It's to be born again so that you can see this kingdom that he was preaching about. If that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you say, Pastor B, I once prayed a prayer, but I've seen so far away from God. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Don't run away from God, run to God today. Fix the relationship with your daddy. If that's you, if you need to say the sinner's prayer for the first time, or you just need to make right with God, I want to pray with you right now. Say with me, say, Dear Lord Jesus, and I believe with all my heart, you are the Son of God. You came down from heaven, died on the cross, and three days later, rose again. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me of my sin. Make me brand new. Bring me into your kingdom as a child of the Most High God. Amen. From today, that's the most powerful decision you can make. It's the first step that you can make in the direction that God has got for you. From today, you are saved, you are born again, you are a child of the Most High God. The Bible says that angels are rejoicing in heaven because your relationship with your daddy is fixed. And your next steps now is get connected where you need to get connected. Get connected to this house so we can train you, develop you, so you can carry out great exploits. Amen. If you said this in this prayer, if you prayed with us, please uh, just message us on our WhatsApp line or DM us on any of our social media platforms that you're currently watching this, this content on and connect with us. We want to connect with you and walk with you in the next season. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's receive communion this morning. Okay, come. Thank you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 24. Come. Thank you, Lord. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had gave, given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is a reminder of the covenantal relationship that you have with God. It starts with your relationship. You've been come, you've been brought into remembrance. You've become a member of Christ because of his finished work and through his body where he received the punishment for sin and for death and for sickness and disease when you receive this broken body where it must remind you of the covenant right that you have for healing wholeness soundness of mind in jesus mighty name as you partake today remind yourself of your relationship with god In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. Through his body, through his blood, he made us children of the Most High God. Hear me. If you need to do this every day to remind yourself of your covenant right with God, then do it. If you need to do this every day for you to remind yourself of the covenant right of healing that you have, then do it. But let this communion, let this table of communion bring us into close intimacy with our Heavenly Father. As you receive the blood, remind yourself of what He's done for you and the gift of life that you now have. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I trust that you're blessed today. And I... I just want to share something very small for the offering. It's just a quick scripture as we receive our tithes and offerings today. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45 in the Amplified. And I want to share this with you because people have an issue with tithing, yet you give your tax to, to, to the government. When you bring your tithe into the stores, hear me? He's never ever changed his tax requirement, the tithe. It's always been a tent. Governments that mismanage need to up and increase your tax. But in the kingdom, there's enough resources. Amen. But just listen to this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, going to Amplified. He says, And all who believe 
is now speaking of now this apostolic breakthrough that's come through the churches and the apostles and the work of God and the miracles and the community that's together if you go and read this chapter but he says and all who believe who adhered to and trusted and relied on Jesus Christ were united together we united and together they had everything in common next and they sold their positions both their landed property and their movable goods and distributed the price among all according as any had need so if you're complaining about a 10 percent and you say that's not in the bible in the new testament go to that new testament way of giving they sold everything why because it was about the governmental assignment you see government is supposed to take what they receive and distribute it amongst the people amen oh it's quiet amen that's what's supposed to take place they're supposed to be when government receives your tax they're supposed to distribute their tax in order to make sure things run perfectly they get paid out of there you don't question who's getting paid what in government do you but you question the pastors i'm just saying it's because you have a place of worship reference for the church and not a government he says they gave it and laid it at the feet and they distributed the apostles the governmental people distributed as the people had need that's why we bring our wealth and our money to support the vision it's not about the pastor yummy they must be paid you don't go in question and everybody else they must be paid and be paid well that's not the point but the point is that when we come together we build the vision we take over territory we change lives and we shift things as the people together amen so as you give today know what you're giving into it's a blessing for the vision of this house to go to the people and bring change in their lives you are contributing to the extension of the kingdom of god in the earth in jesus mighty name be a blessing there's many ways to sow sow what you need to sow go to the for change website also today go and check it out go and see how you can partner it's called the making change little 10 for 10 campaign and go and see how you can partner be a part of what we're doing we've got students coming on on the 13th of february 10 students that are coming on to be a part of the program so their lives can be impacted and changed and they can become change agents in their family in their communities so many youngs that have come through this program are supporting their families at home so many of them amen be a part of what god is doing i'm praying that god will give you a deepened revelation of the of and clarity regarding his church so that you can be positioned correctly in the season amen father i bless each and every person under the sound of my voice i thank you father even as this word has gone forth father god that it will bring an absolute change because light and revelation will be our portion father i thank you that we'll see the church the way that you intended us to see it father god so that we can build the way you want us to build and be effective in this earth in this time in jesus mighty name i speak the blessing upon you i thank you lord now wherever you go you will increase you will overcome and that the anointing of god that is upon you will cause you to overtake wherever you go in jesus name we all agree and say amen and amen